Welcome to episode 18 of the Boxing One podcast. This is your boy, Jay Rich, a.k.a. John Richards, and I'm here with my boy, C. Lass, a.k.a. Chris Lassiter. What's up, man? What's up, homie? I'm chilling. And Jay Hart, Jeremy Hartman, the coach. What's going on, coach? What's good with you, fellas? Man, we got some exciting stuff on this episode, so we're just going to dive right in. And obviously, we want to start with one of the most exciting weekends in college football and modern history, opening weekends at least. There was so much going on this weekend and a lot of great games. I just want to get you guys' observations, anything that stood out to you this weekend over the college football weekend. I know we talked about Virginia, Virginia Tech, see last. I'm not sure if you have any follow-ups on that last from last time. Yeah, so if we're just going um, observations, obviously um, – I don't want to land here because this isn't the biggest thing I took away. But as somebody who did sports for a living, uh, probably the storyline that I loved the most was what happened in Nebraska and them just taking the delay a game for the kicker. That was such an emotional moment. Um, that was really, really powerful. That was probably the most poignant thing that I thought happened over the weekend. Um, biggest takeaways are uh, – Jay Rich, I know you come from SEC country. Alabama put in that work against USC, and Lane Kiffin wasn't trying to call off the dogs at any point, or the elephants, or the Tide, none of it. I mean, he was putting in that work, but the rest of the SEC, minus your boys, the dogs, and Nick Chubb, seemed to have struggled. It wasn't a great weekend for the SEC out of the gate. They kind of left themselves open to that overrated charge. And because they play so many games, it's going to be hard to redeem that because they don't play a ton of out-of-conference games, and they typically don't travel out of the South very much. Um, then, obviously, um, we're working to see when Virginia is going to rebuild the two prominent schools known for football in the state, UVA, Virginia Tech. Uh, so uh, the University of Richmond, which plays in a smaller subdivision of Division One football, absolutely put in that work on UVA. Not only did they beat UVA, but they beat UVA. I mean, they put in that work. And so that was just kind of eye-opening. They have a new coach, Brocko Mendenhall, and that is not how you want to usher in your era. So Virginia Tech, uh, future looks promising. They got a JUCO quarterback. Came out a little rusty, looked great in the second half. Uh, is it Richmond's, UVA, it's a long road. Isn't Richmond's mascot a spider? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yo, so, how did uh, you lose to the Spiders, man? You were fam. you were so amped about Virginia, man. And then I looked at the score ticker, and I texted you guys immediately. I was like, uh, Virginia? What's going on? Yeah. I don't know how much longer, like, the Jordan meme can last, but the one of the Jordan meme on the Cavalier was classic. It was great. But, um... So, obviously, the last thing was just the Notre Dame game um, was great. And even the Tennessee game earlier in the week, I know that's when we kind of started our texting for the week. Great game, great way to start the week. Um, hopefully, um, the Ole Miss-Florida State game lives up to that as going on right now. But just a great week of college football. Biggest takeaway was the emotional thing with Nebraska. Yeah, and for the listeners who don't know, um, the Nebraska punter, they lost their punter. 
uh, in an accident probably around the summer, right, C. Last? Yeah, it was. Uh, I think there was another kicker in the car that they kicked for another Division One school, and they both died. If I'm remembering the story correctly, but just a tribute to that kicker was really powerful. Yeah, it was great. That was great. Jay Hart, any takeaways from this weekend, man? College football. Um, two takeaways that I truly, truly noticed was like there were a couple teams that just ran up the score. Um, one being Ohio State. Um, after JT Barrett threw a pick six to start the game, like it was on and popping. I think they hung 77 on Bowling Green. And then right up the interstate um, from us here in Stanton, JMU under new leadership hung 80, I believe it was, on somebody. My daughter's college. Yes. So, you know, and as far as the UVA goes, um, we have a – quote-unquote family member that will be attending UVA playing football next year, P.K. Kyer. Shout out to P.K. Um, P.K., when he was like three, was the ring bearer in my wedding. Um, his dad, P.D. Kyer, um, was very instrumental in helping Chris and I come to uh, greater knowledge of the Lord and, and just dedicating our lives to him. So um, we got a root for UVA because PK is going to be there next year. Hopefully he'll spin a little bit. Um, but as far as takeaways from college, right now it looks like the body bag game in Florida State, Ole Miss. People are getting carted out like every other series. Um, Clemson struggled. Harbaugh looked like Michigan may be back on the rise. Um, Alabama shellacked USC. Um, we talked about this a little bit just over text. Um, it looks like Alabama has found the quarterback who is also a black quarterback. And we talked about the last time they had back-to-back seasons with a black quarterback at Alabama because um, they had Blake Sims. So it's very interesting in SEC country with that when we talk about um, your typical quarterbacks down there. But it was nice to see Glad Lane got his revenge because they did him dirty, man. They did him dirty. They left him on the tarmac at the airport. <laughs> I was wrong. Exactly, man. That was crazy. Here's the thing about this black quarterback, though, at Alabama. This dude actually has some wheels, man. He's a true dual threat. Like, Sims was okay in that area, but this makes them pretty scary because they've always been run first and a quarterback who was a game manager. But this guy is actually pretty legit and he's a true freshman and and you know it's kind of scary because you're looking at what nick saban does with average to above average quarterbacks that are pocket passers now you got a kid that can run and throw it could be dangerous in tuscaloosa trouble and speaking of true freshmen yes it's time for me to talk about my bulldogs and i'm trying to figure out what Kirby Smart's doing. He may be on the Nick Saban plan when Saban was playing a couple of quarterbacks early in the season at Alabama a couple of years ago, trying to figure out who was going to be the guy. But my boy Kirby Smart decided he was going to start Grayson Lambert, the Virginia transfer, because he was more of a veteran, quote-unquote, over the Gatorade Player of the Year last year, Jacob Eason. Lambert came in, looked like a deer in the headlights, and they bought Eason in the game, and you could see the difference immediately. And then at one point in the game, he threw a 51-yard strike to Isaiah McKenzie. 
And at that point, I said, Lambert's not going to last long. They're going to hand the keys over to Eason pretty soon. But that didn't even matter because my boy, Nick Chubb, ran for 222 against the University of North Carolina. And I guess I'll have to say that he's back. I'm still trying to get Jay Hart on that train. Give him the Heisman. <laughs> I'm trying to give, get him on the Heisman watch with me, but he wants a couple more games. So Nickel State this week, man, he might go for 250. And then uh, – You can't even count Nickel State. He might hey. run for 400 against them. <laughs> hey, you said give him a couple of games. I'm just saying, dude. I'm just saying. North Carolina had a great back in their own regard. I mean, Elijah Hood's no no bum. But the whole game was about Nick Chubb and the way he was running. I'm, I love this dude. So um, hopefully, you know, I'll, I'll make you another convert, man. I know I converted you on Tim Duncan. So it's going to take a couple more weeks, I know. I'll just keep talking about him. That's how I roll. So um, Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. You act like I said Nick Chubb was a bum or something. I ain't say that. I just said let's give it a couple games and make sure he's totally back 100% healthy. You wouldn't even put him on the list, though, man. You like he wasn't even near the Heisman house. Hey, like, he wasn't even in the neighborhood. Look, remember, I'm gonna keep bringing this up. Fournette last year was everybody's Heisman through the first seven weeks, and then he disappeared. I'm just saying let's against wait. Bama, he disappeared in one game. No, he disappeared the rest of the season after that. He averaged like 70 yards a game after that. I'm just saying, let's not give the Heisman out in week one. Let's wait till it's a little bit closer to, you know, November before we start doing that. See, I'm not even trying to give it out, though, because everybody talks about Heisman watch, quote unquote. You wouldn't even put my man on the list, man. He, he said you needed him... to get him an Uber to the Heisman house. Right. That's what I'm that's saying. That's how far away he was. <laughs> Chris, stop co-signing, Chris. Oh, man. It's all... <laughs> Look, it's all good, Jay Hart, man. It's all good. I know you like Chubb from the bottom of your heart, man. He's like – he's my dude, though. He's like a humble guy. I think, you know, I think you might might grow to love Nick Chubb, man. So we'll see. We'll see. So uh, one of the things in the podcast we get really excited about it's kind of helping people steer through life through the lens. One of the things I know when you become uh, right after in Ephesians 2, when it talks about, um, you know, like our testimony, every believer has the same testimony, you know, like we were going away from Christ and in his great mercy, like he intervened, he initiated salvation for us out of his great mercy. We're saved by grace. Then the next thing that that, uh, that that chapter talks about is doing the works we were created for beforehand. And just a lot of people wrestle with the idea of like, what am I made to do? Like, what is that? Like, what is that that I was created to do? And so I know um, for my man, Jay Rich, it's transition season. Actually, we're recording this the night before he starts his new job, which is super exciting for us. We're super proud of you, bro. But I thought it'd be great on the podcast just to talk a little bit about finding that right position, and also um, once you've found that position, leaving the old position well. So if you could start us with how to just, like, what it was like finding that right position, finding that right position, and then leaving the old position well. Yeah, man, yeah. So um, for me, it's been kind of an arc, and I wouldn't say that this is 
gold in terms of, or the standard in terms of finding the right position, but I am a recovering attorney, practiced for a little while, and I always wanted to do ministry in some capacity, but here's the thing about finding the right position. You need to find a position that utilizes your spiritual gifts to their utmost capability. And that means first you need to, one, recognize what your spiritual gifts are. We've talked about this before. Like A lot of people don't even know where they're gifted in the areas of spiritual gifts. So that would be the first steps, like trying to figure out where you're gifted at. And for me, that was teaching and leadership. And those two areas, and administration as well, so those three areas are ones I wanted to kind of find a position that would help me to do all three. So in looking for positions, I was looking for something that would give me an opportunity to teach, to be an administrator, and an opportunity for me to lead an organization. So now that I'm the managing director of the Billy Graham Center um, at Wheaton College, it pretty much is a perfect fit for all three of those gifts. So I think that when you're looking for a position, and looking for jobs out there, don't look for something just to get a paycheck, but look for something that literally fits who you are as a person and your spiritual gifts. And as you continue to look, you're probably not going to find it quickly. I mean, it took a little while for me to find this position, but it's one that I know I will thrive in because I know that it uses my spiritual gifts and it will make me come alive. So that would be my advice to folks who are looking for a new position. Like find something that aligns properly with your spiritual gifts. And then leaving well your former position. So I worked at a church here in the Chicago area. And here's the interesting thing about after getting the job offer right. So after getting an offer, it's very easy for you to check out. Very easy. Like anybody can do that. So for me, I wanted to make sure that I spent the next several weeks after getting the offer and turning in my resignation, making sure that the organization was set up for success. So one of the things I did, and let me tell you, I haven't done, I hadn't done this in the past. Like I've learned how not to burn bridges. I burned bridges before, and this time I didn't want that to happen. So the first thing I tried to do is find someone to replace me. So the model that I really think about is is Paul and him looking at um, looking at his text in Second Timothy, how he was very intentional about pouring into Timothy, who um, who was his mentee, so to speak. So Paul worked really hard to replace himself, so to speak. And I think one of the things about us in our positions, and even and in leadership is that a lot of people don't work hard to replace themselves because a lot of us feel like we're irreplaceable, and that can be problematic. So I think the first thing that you need to think through is working towards replacing yourself. And in the church context, that's hard, but I found some folks in the volunteer pool who were working with me, closely with me, who were folks who I would trust with what I was doing. So I made those suggestions to the executive team, and they brought a couple of those folks on board. So uh, I think that finding people to replace you is a great way to leave a position. The other thing I would say, and the final thing I would say, is to, I know this sounds weird, but finish the race. Like, finish strong. 
And that goes back to my point. Like it's easy to check out, very easy to check out once you're found a new position. But Paul was very concerned about finishing. Like First Corinthians, even in this text in Second Timothy, he talks about him finishing the race. And we all know that ministry is a marathon, not a sprint. So one of the interesting myths about the Battle of Marathon, some people may already know this, was that a runner ran from Marathon to Athens to deliver the message that they won the battle. And the distance for that particular, between those cities, was 26 miles. So that's where we get the marathon race for today. But here's the interesting thing. He was carrying a message so important that he didn't stop until he delivered that message. And when you're thinking about leaving a position, you have to think about the message that you're carrying, especially in the church context. Um, What are you carrying that you can hand off to someone else um, in terms of a relay, baton pass? Um, Because if you don't hand that baton off, then the entire work that you've been doing can be disqualified. So I would say finish strong um, and make sure that you're handing off everything that you have in place in terms of processes um, to someone who would be able to pick up that baton and continue to run with it. So those are a couple of the suggestions I had. I know there are a couple of other ones that I could say, but I think that suffice in terms of my thoughts on leaving well you guys have any thoughts on that or in terms of transitioning how to transition in and out of positions yeah so i mean i think that's great advice jay and i are both in um seasons where we're transitioning out um his is a little bit more concrete because he's left um the k-12 administrative thing and i'm in a position where uh everyone at my job knows i'm working on transitioning out for me it's been very much what you said is um I've tried to recruit for our job I've tried to bring more people in I've tried to say like hey I know I'm not going to be here forever here's going to be the best person to replace me when I'm gone and make sure that my boss knows and it's just a way for me to like tangibly like love my coworkers, is to make sure there's not like a drought a long time where they're having to fill in schedules and not have like a full staff and so that's just been trying to think like, how do I love these people? Well, mine isn't a church scenario. So I want to be a light for the gospel in that scenario, but I'd also be interested to see how Jay is processing this stuff because I know what he wants to do and I know where he's trying to get. And I know um, he stepped out of one role, kind of taking a leap of faith. So Jay, I'd love to hear your hearts on just how you're processing stuff. Well, you know, one of the things that I always try to do is to make sure like when I'm leaving, is just like Jay Rich said, just finish strong, um, because I think that says a lot about your character, um, because it is easy to check out. And, you know, I, I know I wanted to make sure that there were certain things that when I stepped out of education, um, you know, there was a, a definite date where my contract was up. I wanted to make sure that the things I needed to get done were done, and I wanted to make sure that I left everything in a position so when the person behind me stepped in um, there weren't any loose ends Uh, and I think that says a lot about like okay yeah I'm leaving I may have been you know unhappy there or it may have gotten to the point where I wasn't necessarily feeling it anymore but also know that um, I should do everything as unto Christ 
So it is, I almost see it as a duty, as an obligation. Like I need to make sure I finish the job, finish the race up until the last day of work. Now they cut off my email three days early, but <laughs> I couldn't necessarily, <laughs> um, couldn't necessarily do everything, but I think it is, um, you know, finishing well. And I think that says a lot to the people around you. Um, you don't even necessarily have to evangelize or proselytize. You could just, you know, you're an example. You're a light by the way you work. Um, so people see, well, yeah, he, he's leaving, but look, he's still working hard. He's still doing tasks that, you know, anybody else would just say, I'm not doing that. I'm leaving next week. But, um, you know, I, I often feel like, and my wife and I have this conversation all the time. Like I truly feel like my gifts and my passion is in coaching and helping young people. Um, you know, it's just a matter of finding that position that is right for my family. Um, that's right as far as, you know, time investment and those type of things. And, um, you know, I've had opportunities where I could have taken jobs and gotten my foot in the door, but it's just not right for my family um, as far as picking up and moving and those type of things. So, um, you know, I, I'm content right now. I'm doing what I need to do to provide for my family, but I am still searching for that spot to truly use my gifts uh, where I feel like they're um, the most useful. And that's working with kids in a coaching aspect because I feel like that's where I've been able to develop meaningful relationships and really mentor um, kids and athletes and players. So um, I appreciate what you shared, Jay Rich. I think people will definitely use the information um, I think it would be helpful to many of our listeners, especially those that are in transition. Yo, y'all cut my email off. I'm Apostle Paul. I, I finished the race at that point. The day my email stopped coming through, that means we have nothing left to talk about. So I'm on my second <laughs> Timothy 4. I finished my race. Wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah. What are you supposed to do, Jay Rich? I mean, hey, they cut his email off. What? How are you supposed to correspond? Podcast listeners. Please disregard Chris Lassner. <laughs> Please. Please. All your work didn't happen over email. I know Jeremy Hartman took care of business those those last three days. So um, see Lasby tripping. See Bruh, Lasby I tripping. even, look, I'm going to tell you how much I finished. Like, I even told the director of operations, he was like, there's some things that need to get painted. I was like, give me the paint, I'll paint. So, like, I cleaned out wow. the basement. I cleaned out the school basement, man. That's great, man. Wow. Like, just, just trying to do anything to be helpful so when I left, things were in a better situation than they were when I got there. That is great, man. That's great. So um, we want to shift gears a little bit and talk about Drew Holiday, who plays for the New Orleans Pelicans. And his wife, Lauren, is actually was actually a pretty great athlete herself. She played on the U.S. national soccer team, um, retired so that they can start a family. And she's pregnant right now. But we just found out that Drew is going to take the first part of the season off because they discovered that his wife has a brain tumor. And they're going to have to give birth, and then they're going to have to operate on that brain tumor. So Drew, being a great husband, said, I'm going to step back from my job, which is 
as a professional athlete starts in October and take care of my family. Now that is where I can put some respect on his name. I know that Chris Lasseter, several episodes ago, said something about Pelican's guards, and I want to just touch base with him and see if he still feels the same way about my boy Drew Holiday. Nope, I totally changed. I'm a holiday. I'll go grab a holiday jersey at this point. Um, anybody who puts fam before fame, a lot of us just have jobs. We just finished a whole session talking about transition into something that you love. Uh, Drew Holiday works at his dream job and made it in the interviews that I've read, just made it seem like a no-brainer, like, no, I'm not going to work. Obviously, um, my family comes first. And I just, I mean, I can't applaud that enough. I love the whole generation of NBA players. They just seem to constantly be doing the right thing, stepping up for social causes, like endearing the fans, staying out of trouble. But this goes above and beyond even that. It just shows like um, values where values need to be. Like it just seems like his his head is on straight. And I mean, that is something we definitely want to be praying for his wife. I remember uh, I had a crew of guys I rolled with, but my best friend who I used to play basketball with all the time, his name was Ira Iverson Bex the fourth. We called him IV. And he was in a freak car accident where a bread truck, um, the brake broke off it. No driver in the car was parked on the hill and it shoved him out into an intersection. Uh, God's providence, the intersection didn't have cars coming out and he wasn't hurt a bit. But because of what happened, they forced him to get x-rays. When they went and got x-ray, they did find a malignant tumor on his brain. They had to operate. And I just remember the trepidation I felt going over his house for the first time after I knew he had just had brain surgery. And luckily, I mean, he was fine. I went over there. He had a red bandana tied around his head and he was lifting weights on a homemade bench trying to get back in shape. This was like a couple, probably like a week after the surgery. I knew he wasn't supposed to be doing that. But um, I just remember the angst that I felt with one of my very best friends going through that. I couldn't imagine like going through that with your wife when your wife is pregnant. So big ups to Drew Holiday um, for setting such a great example for athletes everywhere. And just men, not just athletes. Husbands yeah. everywhere. Yeah, Coach. Jay Hart, what you think, man, as a coach? What do you think? Yeah, you know, there will be some people that will say, you know, I can't believe that he's doing that. But, you know, I commend him because, you know, his heart is in the right place and, you know, I think back to, um, you know, the tragic accident with uh, Monty Williams' wife um, this past year. You know, life is too short, man. Like, you know, you have to cherish those moments with your family when you have them. And uh, being an, a professional athlete is, you know, a 24-7, 365-day, you know, um, job. And for him to say, you know what, I'm stepping aside and taking care of my wife. Like, that's the right thing for him to do. I commend him. I'm sure the Pelicans organization commends him. Uh, you know, it, it's, it sends a message uh, to today's generation. Like, there are young men out there that are doing the right things, honoring their wives and, and taking care of that. And, you know, you'll hear people say, well, yeah, it's easy for him because he makes $10 million a year or whatever. Like, that's not the point. Like, the point is, is that he's giving up something that he loves because he knows that, there's something even more important than basketball. And um, it's admiring. It's inspiring. I hope people truly take notice 
I hope the story doesn't kind of get brushed to the side after, you know, the first week of everybody talking about it. Like, I think it is something that, you know, um, people should talk about and should admire. And uh, I've never been a Drew Holiday fan as far as, you know, basketball ability, but as a person, um, wow. Like, it just speaks volume about volumes about who he is. And low-key, man, like, New Orleans just seems like a really great organization when it comes to stuff like that. I remember uh, Monty Williams losing his wife and um, the outpouring of support from them as a former former team that he coached. Um, it just it just demonstrates that they're they're a pretty stand-up organization when it comes to family. So shout out to the Pelicans, even though I hate their name, um, for supporting families. The Jazz have to give that name back, right? They don't need it. They got to. They got they to. They got to give it back. They got to. We're going to start I a mean, petition on that. I mean, that's the number one, like, thing in sports. Like, at this point, the Lakers, I mean, I know they're not Lakes, but they're the Lakers. Oh, here, here you but go. The Jazz, the Jazz are never the Jazz, right? Like, the Jazz have never been the Jazz. Like, you can't be opposite Jazz. Like, you are the opposite of Jazz in Utah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, you just can't. That's a misnomer. Like, give it back. Yeah, just like the Hornets got their name back, we can always hope, right? Yeah, give them their name back. So we're going to hit up the sorry we missed that for this session. And for those who are new listeners, what this entails is we look at a story that was pre-podcast that we thought, man, wish the podcast was around then. Well, guess what? We're going to talk about it. And this one is from 2011. I'm pretty sure a lot of people recognize this one because it was all over YouTube around this time. And um, his name is Ted Williams. And a lot of people know him as the golden voice. In the YouTube video, he was being interviewed. He was homeless at the time. And he had this amazing radio TV voice. Well, the video gained popularity. He got a lot of gigs, positions. He even did some Cavs games, right, c -Less? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah. And then <laughs> I was reading, on, reading up on this when we started talking about doing it. Apparently, so he, he had a little bit of a relapse, relapse because he was an addict. Um, after his fame, after he got famous because of that video and all the other media requests. So he checked into a couple of facilities, got himself back together. But in June of last year, apparently he announced that he was running for president of the United States as an independent candidate. <laughs> I did not know this. Um, sorry, Ted Williams, but the voice is not going to get you in the White House, even though we may have someone else who might be less qualified in there come November. But that's neither here nor there. <laughs> Fam, this, I mean, out of all, like, just when you think, my daughter, she turns 18 in a couple of weeks. So this will be her first time voting. Uh, <laughs> Yo, I, I, I thought, like, trying to help her navigate the voting thing through the lens of the gospel was already tough before you just announced that. Yo, yes, yes, sir. I'm so weak right now. <laughs> so that's another thing. I don't even know how to look through that through the lens of the gospel. So I'm Wayne Grudem book it is, I guess. I don't know. So 
Well, he withdrew his candidacy via his Facebook page, so it was official. Um, but he did throw his name in a hat sometime last June, which is uh, which is interesting, Mr. Ted Williams. So this sorry we missed that is dedicated to you. Did y'all hear any of the Cavs games that he did? Not a one. I wonder if he like actually knew the players, or if it was just it, it was just a voice, like. Bro, this um, was when LeBron went on the team. This was when they lost like twenty six games. It was they were doing it for promotional stuff. Oh, they were this, terrible. You so don't he, know the players. He was announcing Ricky Davis. We don't know the players on that team, bro. Like, <laughs> and we love the NBA. I can't name. I can't name nobody on that team. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> okay, so for this segment, we're going to be talking about what we're reading and what we're listening to. And this is where we share resources with our listeners on things that we're reading and things that we're listening to over the past week that might be helpful to some of you. So I'll start with the homie Jay Hart. What you reading, man? What you listening to? Um, really what I'm just focusing on now as far as reading is just reading the scripture. Um, been taking a lot of time in the morning just with some things that have been going on, just taking a lot of time to read the word and to spend a lot of time praying. Um, haven't really been listening to anything, trying to just hear the voice of the Lord and just searching for wisdom and guidance. So I've spent a lot of time in the word and quiet time praying and listening to him. Good stuff. See last. Yeah, that's, um, that's pretty similar for me. Um, because I haven't had a lot of free time, I've kind of, get up in the morning. I've been reading through Acts. Um, right now, I'm about midway through. I'm just about to start. I think I finished up Acts chapter 12 today. And that it ends kind of ill because Herod gives this speech, then my man just drops dead. So, uh, but then kind of I have a John Calvin commentary just from the app. $4.99, you can get it on your iPhone. Great little commentary to go with it. It is written in these and thou's, but if you can get through that, a lot of rich content in the uh, commentary as well. Um, and then really not having much time to read much more. But as far as listening to, uh, my man Ambassador dropped a song called When Sacred Meets Secular. Uh, it's on SoundCloud. I probably have listened to it, I would say probably 25 times since it came out like two days ago when I found out about it. Because I just love this song. That's always been the homie. I uh, just appreciate his voice in the Christian hip hop, and I just love his flow. He went to high school in Virginia, Booker T. Washington in Norfolk. Shout out to VA. You know how we do, Jay Rich. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's what I've been listening to. So good stuff, man. So um, I reached out to my boss Ed um, last week and kind of picked his brain on some stuff I should be reading on leadership, evangelism, and missions leading up to me coming on board. I wanted to make sure I, I tapped, had tapped his brain to see what he had for me, and he suggested a couple of books, so I just downloaded one of them. It's called Leading from the Second Chair, and it's actually a book for executive pastors, but the role is a little bit similar in a lot of regards, so he said take a look at it. So I'm going to be diving into that, still reading the first 90 days, getting close to finishing that book. And I'm also reading Ed's Subversive Kingdom still as well. So got three books in the fire there. And what I'm listening to, man, I'm just 
going through some audio Bible scripture. Scripture. Um, I I started the uh, ESV Study Bible reading plan September first again, and uh, just just working my way through, man. So started out in some Ecclesiastes and gonna keep it rolling, man. So that's what I'm listening to. Yo, who's the voice? If you could pick any voice of anybody for your audio Bible, who would you pick? Any voice? Morgan Freeman. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. <laughs> yes, sir. Morgan Freeman, man, hands down, period. The end. I thought somebody was going to say Jer- James Earl Jones. He does it, though, right? You can really get that one. Yeah, I think you can, but I- I'd rather have Morgan. My man. Shawshank. All right, man. Closing <laughs> shout outs. What we got? Yeah, I'm going to start with the shout outs because, uh, all right. So, first, my man Liam, uh, you just got Liamed on Twitter, Uncle Drew. Um, but he tweeted last week, um, he used to be in a campus ministry with Young Life that I had, goes to the same college I went to. And the other day, he tweeted a picture of the book that I had written called You're Grounded, which is kind of like, um, imagine. Uh, basic Christianity. Um, it's just a theological guide uh, written for urban young adults. And so he tweeted a picture and said, got to get some soul food in before I go to bed. So he tweeted the picture of the book. So shout out to my man, Liam. Miss you, homie, but I'm glad you're doing things at college. Proud of you. My man, Terrell Mickens, who was also in that group of Young Life kids, uh, decided to go back to college. He's at Bridgewater and he got a touchdown pass in the game Saturday. And my, my brothers right around the corner from me who always listen to the podcast and have were great athletes in their own right and now giving back as coaches in the Little League or in the high school around here, Tank and Tilly. Those are my boys, and they are giving back to our community, so I got to shout out them. Tank, what's up, Tank? What's cracking, homie? Hey, Jay Hart, how come uh, C. Lass's first shout out was like six minutes long? <laughs> I thought these joints were supposed to be quick, man. He got a lot to say. <laughs> hey, shout out to uh, Jay Hart's new Nick Chubb jersey on the way. Wow. We got you, homie. <laughs> I like red and black. <laughs> man, shout out to the Boxing One podcast, man. I appreciate you guys, man. We're 18 episodes in, man. Thanks for everything. You guys have been a blessing to me over the past several months, so I appreciate you. Word. We appreciate no you too. Homie. Likewise, likewise. I gave one earlier in, in the podcast. I did give a shout out to PD Kyer and PK Kyer. Um, big shout out to them. PK is balling right now at Millbrook High School in Winchester, putting in that work. Shout out to PK. Um, big shout out to my man. Y'all gonna flip. I'm about to do this just for you, Jay Rich. Nick Chubb. Shout out to Nick Chubb. What that work just for you, Jay Rich? What (laughs) he put in that work, yes, sir. Yes, sir. See, I I knew I liked you, Jay Hart. (laughs) I knew it. I knew it. We light skin, that's all it is. (laughs) We gotta stick together, man. We family. All right, that's been episode 18 of the Boxing One podcast. We appreciate you guys for joining us. Please, please, please go over to iTunes and subscribe. Leave a rating and a review. 
and follow us on Twitter at Boxing One Podcast. We appreciate all the love you guys have been giving us, and we look forward to seeing you all next week for episode number 19 after the dogs tear up Nickel State. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Peace out. Later. All right.